On this week's episode of the Sad Pacers Fan Podcast, we'll be breaking down week four, holy crap, of the Pacers season, discussing positive and negative trends, and mapping Victor Oladipo's path to an MVP win. Before we get into the action, we want to talk to you about our new YouTube series, The Saddest Moment of the Week. The Saddest Moment of the Week is a weekly series where we highlight the lowlights of a particular player or moment from the Pacers week. In episode two, we're taking a look at some really, really bad foul calls. Just go to YouTube and search Sad Pacers Fan, or visit the link in our Instagram bio for the full video. And now, DJ Buckner. Nine seconds, eight seconds, seven seconds. Oladipo to win it. Another one! Another one! Another one! Another one! Another one! You can see it in the air! Coming to you live from the Baja Blast Crave Cave in beautiful Greenwood, Indiana and being joined via cellular device due to some septical difficulties. It's the Sad Pacers Fan Podcast. I'm Joe Cohen. I'm joined on the phone by Christian Arvin. Christian, how's the pooper? Pooper's fine. I uh, just worked on a couple little, you know, little things you don't necessarily expect to run into with running the hell, but I think we're going to be okay. I don't think we have to worry about poop flooding out of the toilet or anything like that. Hopefully not anytime soon, but maybe once just to kind of see what it's like, get the experience. Uh, speaking of poop, the Indiana Pacers, week four. It was okay. Yeah. Um, a really difficult schedule like we talked about on last week's episode. They had games against the Houston Rockets, Philadelphia 76ers, and Miami Heat. Losing two of those and then winning one in Miami. Uh, what were your big takeaways from the week? Did you see any positives? Did you see any negatives? I thought uh, I kind of came in and caught the end of the Rockets game. Um, I was a little behind on there. I, I feel like we battled and hung with them well. But we didn't close very well. Just kind of looking back at that box score, you know, we had a great second quarter. We beat them through the third, and then we blew a lead. Uh, so that was kind of, uh, disappointing to see the wheels kind of fall off late. With Philly in that game, we just ran out. I don't know what happened. Um, we ran out of steam, but what it was an that was an odd. But what one. I what I really feel good uh, about is um, the way that we were able to battle in Miami. Um, you know, that's a tough game Definitely. coming off of two tough losses. Uh, and then going on the road, Miami's a strong team um, to be able to battle and, and stay into that and really kind of look dead in the water at one point in the fourth quarter, uh, but to be able to right the ship, pull things together, and get out of there with uh, what seemed like at times an unlikely win, um, that was uh, that was kind of heartening um, from the team this week for me. Yeah, I'm going to speak to your point about closing the game in Houston. Uh, that was really a duel at the end with James Harden and Victor Oladipo. It was nice to see Vic uh, in that spotlight and able to perform really well. That's my positive of the week, is that Oladipo is just still on an absolute tear. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's continued his 20-point his uh, per game scoring streak that he's had going. I think it's it's over 10 now. It's 10, 11, 12 games in a row, something like that, where he scored 20 or more points. And he was really dueling with Harden at the end. That was really cool to see. Uh, that perimeter defense, though, for the Pacers, it absolutely came back to bite them in that game. And when you play a team like Houston, who uh, last season set the record, I believe, for three-pointers made in a season, mm-hmm. 
you just can't leave those guys open. No. Especially late in the game. They showed their clutch shooters. Uh, and Harden, as much as I do not enjoy watching him play, the guy is absolutely clutch. So I think that was the big negative for me. Yeah, I mean, we have we have seen over and over again that even with lesser competition, perimeter defense has been a huge struggle for this for this Pacers squad. Um, you know, going back to what we were talking about um, talking about last week with that perimeter defense. You know, we saw um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Again, it, you may be familiar with. Tim Hardaway, this is the junior one that we're talking about, um, and he really kind of... The son him. of Tim Hardaway, yeah, right? Yes, he's the junior one, yes. Um, okay. But he really hurt us in that game against uh, New York on Halloween, and then again, that Blakeney game um, in Chicago. It's just growing to be a, a bigger and bigger concern that it's not something that's being rectified. Yeah, and the like we've talked about in the past, the Pacers are... By any metric you want to look at, they're a good defensive team. Uh, they force turnovers. They capitalize on forced turnovers. But it's just when you watch them play, there's something about the perimeter defense. Even going to that Philly game, Dario Saric, who has since been traded, this that might have been his last game as a sixer, he went off, and he's been terrible this season. Uh, he just hit three after mm-hmm. three. So it's just, like you said, it's a little concerning to see uh, the Pacers – giving some opportunities to teams that don't need opportunities given to them. Yeah. You know, um, I think, I, I think a lot of people, um, the, the old way of thinking is, yeah, I'll let a team beat me from outside. If you're going to beat me by hitting threes, then, then sure. I'll live with that. Um, but in this modern NBA, you really can't live by that. You can't live by saying, please, beat me from the outside because teams will, uh, it is a, it is a game plan, um, that, that these teams, uh, are, are going out here and, and, um, putting forward. So, uh, really would like to see, um, that, that we pick that up, um, and that we try to make a key of that. I think we have the size, uh, and the dominance inside that we don't have to work as much or worry as much. Um, I should say about uh, the interior play. I think that'll take care of itself, but those wings have to take some pride in that defense. Uh, this is a great segue. This is how you know that you have the the podcasting co-host soulmate that you need. Um, because I was trying to figure out a good segue to go into this topic, and you just gave me the perfect segue. You threw it up. I threw it down. Uh, let's talk about something that's on a lot of a lot of Pacers fans' minds. And that is the debate between Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis. It's early in the season. Uh, we're just barely over 10 games in. Uh, but DeMontis Sabonis has been increasingly impressive. Every game, it seems, he's more impressive than the last. And Miles Turner, so far, has yet to really break out and have any standout performances except for the game where he made the, the game-saving block at the end. Uh Let's talk a mm-hmm. little bit about uh, the pros of continuing to play Miles more minutes or the pros of playing Sabonis more minutes. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question first because this is the okay. first thing that pops into my mind when I think of Miles versus Domas. And I want you to just answer who you think uh, has the higher defensive rating. Is it Miles Turner or is it DeMontis Sabonis? 
I would think that um, it sounds like a trick question, right? Rim. It does sound like a trick question, but I think with his rim protecting abilities, I would give the edge to um, Miles Turner um, on that. I feel like Domas isn't quite as much of a rim protector, uh, protector, so he doesn't change the game that much um, in that area. So I'm going to go with Miles. Okay, it is Miles. I, I was trying to do like a double trick question yeah. on you. So it is Miles. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it is Miles, but not nearly as much as you would think. So according to basketballreference.com, Miles Turner has a defensive rating per 100 possessions this season of 104. DeMontis Sabonis has a defensive rating of 103. So really kind of kind of a wash there, kind of an even balance. Now, if we look at offensive rating mm-hmm. stat, according to basketball reference, uh, it's 131 to 102 in Domas's favor. So with the higher offensive rating, we can deduce that Sabonis is just a more effective offensive player. However, if I'm going to counter myself, I would say that Miles Turner plays a majority of his minutes with Victor Oladipo running things. Oladipo has uh, a high usage rate. I think he's up around 30% right now, usage rate. So Miles may not have the opportunities that Domas has. What do you see between the two in regards to their offensive game? Uh, you know, I, I think they are they're really big contrasts offensively. Um, Miles has, uh, by this point, I think we can kind of start to read the book and we can kind of start to see what Miles is. Miles is a finesse player. Um, Miles is not the type that's going to uh, come down low and bang and play really physical as evidenced by the fact that, you know, um, what game was it? It was against the Heat or maybe the 76ers. He would get a guard switched onto him in the post and wouldn't take advantage uh, of that of that size advantage that he had. So um, Miles is, is much more finesse um, in his style of play, which isn't a bad thing. Um, you know, him being able to be more athletic creates some matchup problems. But, but Domas is, Absolutely. is our guy that can – really bang and be physical around the basket. Um, and we've seen that uh, just from, you know, whether it's him being Domas the Baptist um, all season uh, and dunking on as many people as Praise he can, um, or just being the massive physical beast uh, that he is on the court. Um, he, he really, it seems like he's making a point, uh, an emphasis to – um, dominate that inside area. 100% agree. So I think uh, there are a couple logical steps here that, that people come to when they think about this. Uh, one of them would just be to outright switch the players, have Miles come off the bench, have Sabonis start the game. That's an option. Another option is to play the two together. So I'm going to ask you, uh, if you were coaching the team, and as the listeners know, you are a girls high school JV coach. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much qualified to make this decision. If you were Nate McMillan, what would you do in this situation? Um, here is my big concern. And it's uh, something that I was discussing with another Pacer fan um, who was not you, because as the listeners know, we don't talk unless it's on the podcast. Absolutely. Um, not. But another Pacer fan was uh, discussing um, the idea and, and the, um, the concept of the psyche of the player. Um, and Domas is someone who comes in and he, he's accepted his role. 
and he's to a point now where when you look at and compare their minutes, um, Domas is playing barely uh, any fewer minutes than Miles. Um, but what I would be concerned about is the psychology of a player um, like Miles who um, can let his, his emotions show um, on the court from time to time. Uh, I would just be concerned about the impact that uh, a change like that going from starting to coming off the bench, especially after signing uh, this big four-year $80 million extension um, where the team has said, you know, you're going to be our franchise guy or, we're, or you're one of the guys that we believe in in the franchise moving forward. So um, I would be, from that st- standpoint, um, a little concerned with how that might impact Miles' play negatively, moving him to off the bench. Yeah, I have the written There's in my the notes. There's the other aspect. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I have that written in my notes as well. Keep going. Um, there's the other aspect of looking at the matchups. Right. And we have to look at this with an analytical mindset and say, okay, Miles is going out there and he is playing against the other team's best center in their best lineup versus Domas is coming in. And when he's getting his minutes, it's either against a starting center that is tiring or a center that's already been subbed and so he's playing against lesser competition. So is that part of what is inflating his numbers there it's, as it's well? It's kind of like now. a blind side we might have with, or a blind spot we might have with uh, with Sabonis is that you know, we, we see him putting up these numbers, but they may be slightly inflated due to the fact that he's playing against fatigued uh, opponents or he's playing against backups. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Now, what... What I think is is maybe a counter to that counter is that at least offensively, I mean, you look at those offensive ratings that you just talked about, and Domas with a with an offensive rating of 131 to Miles 102, is there that much of a swing offensively uh, with Domas just because he goes in and he plays against different competition? I don't know. Um, I think Domas and Vic can be pretty devastating in the pick and roll together. Um, and so uh, you would definitely be getting more of that, more of that combination. Um, I, I would wonder what happens with his defensive rating, if that would start to creep up some maybe. Um, I, you know, it's one of those hypotheticals where you can't really ever know until it's done. I, I'm glad you brought up the Domas and Victor uh, pick and roll because that is one of my absolute favorite things to watch uh, as a Pacers fan right now because – and in some strange way, it kind of reminds me of how the Thunder use Westbrook and Steven Adams and how and how effective they can both be because you know that you have to stay honest on Westbrook, but if he happens to miss a shot, Adams is a, an amazing rebounder and a great finisher around the rim. I would say that Sabonis is kind of a mini version of Steven Adams, whereas Victor Oladipo is a more deadly version of Russell Westbrook because Victor can actually shoot the ball. So it's a really fun pick and roll to watch because uh, you you have to you're basically in a lose lose situation as the defender. Yeah, I, I think they can be be really devastating in that, and and it's it's really great to have that as a as a weapon and a combination uh, on the floor. Um, definitely glad that it's it's a, a combination that I get to cheer for instead of uh, root against because I wouldn't like to be 
an opposing fan with that combination coming at me. All right, before we move on to the next topic, I do want to shout out Instagram user, hey, it's Robin, L-M-A-O. She commented on one of our posts recently uh, and asked if we would discuss uh, the Miles Turner Sabonis switch. So, um, hey, it's Robin, L-M-A-O. Send us a DM with your address. We'll send you some stickers. Thanks for the topic. Uh, Christian, there is something else that I want to ask you. The Pacers, as we record, it's 5.18 p.m., why is it so hard to say 5.18? 5.18 p.m. Uh, Sunday. Uh, so the Pacers are going to play the Rockets here in a bit. Uh, we did just get some breaking news. The Rockets are going to dump Carmelo already. I know this isn't Pacers related, but I'm assuming he won't be playing tonight against the Pacers. I can't believe they're... They're going to dump him? In, in said, what way? Uh, my Bleacher Report update said Rockets to get rid of Mello. And he's been informed that he won't be with the team much longer. Report, Rockets will move on from Mello. They're like 12 games into the season or something. <laughs> so, wow. That's fast. Yeah, I just, uh, obviously since I'm on the phone, I can't see that, but I'm pulling up an article right now. There's one um, in the New York Daily News, Carmelo Anthony's Kenny North Rockets coming, Rockets coming to an end. Report says, wow. On Saturday, uh, ESPN reported that the Rockets were already having conversations about Melo's role moving forward. Wow! Wow! Big. Um, this has been this has been a tough year. Uh, and again, I don't want to get too too much. I don't want to pay our sad Pacer fans out there to think that this is turning. Yeah, we don't have Rockets sad Rockets podcast. fans. Hopefully, this year's kind of been an L. This year's kind of been an L for Daryl Morey, right? Yeah, I think. Like, between, I think between signing Carmelo and losing out on Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Selling the farm for Carmelo, going in and really putting together that, that huge package that they did for Jimmy Butler and not getting him, uh, losing uh, out on uh, Trevor Reza. They couldn't re-sign him. Uh, then they also lose Luke Mbambute as well. They did. He went back to yeah, L.A. Yeah. Uh, and the Clippers actually look good. Agent. I can't. I'm. I don't think I'm able to pull it up because I'm recording this screen on Chrome. But I think the Rockets are like tenth in the West right now, or something. I'll pull it up here. We got to beat them there tonight for sure. I think we got to have a little fire in the belly um, after the other day. Um, you know, playing them so close and not getting it. Uh, Clippers right now uh, are six. So yeah, solid team out west. Rockets right now four and seven are sitting only ahead of the Mavericks, the Timberwolves, and the Suns. So they're ninth. Is that what you said? Twelfth. Twelfth. Okay. All right. Talking about the Rockets standing in the West is another great segue. Thank you again for all the lobs that you're throwing me uh, tonight. I want to ask you: um, Is the East good? Is the Eastern Conference good? Uh, I I think. Plain and simple? Yeah. I think so. I think it is too. Because. So here's my reasoning behind it. So uh, the Raptors may be the best team in the league right now. Mm -hmm. They're sitting at 12 and 1. Um, I know that they have a better record than the Warriors, but it's kind of hard to tell if they're actually better than the Warriors, but the Raptors look Mm -hmm. pretty freaking good. The Bucks, who they've had a little spell of losing lately, I believe. They're sitting at 9-3, and three, but um, 
Giannis still looks like the front runner mm-hmm. for MVP uh, if, if it stopped now. Uh, Philadelphia just traded for Jimmy Butler, who's like, when healthy, probably a top 10 player in the league. Uh, and then you've got a team like Boston, who they're in a little bit of a funk at the beginning of the season, but they're just absolutely stacked. They're they're an extremely deep team. That's not even to mention our beloved Indiana Pacers, who, you know, they may be boring, but mm-hmm. we're pretty damn good ourselves. And we've got a certified all-star in Victor Oladipo. So I actually think the East is good. Even the 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 lower teams are having some impressive victories. I saw Orlando mm-hmm. won in San Antonio the other night, and Orlando's like, they're not going to make the playoffs yeah. in the East, but yeah, that's a I pretty mean, good you, road win. When you look at the records in the conference, we have right now the, the Nets are 6-7, and seven, um, and the Hornets are 6-5. and five. Those are the only 500 or worse teams that are – you know, if the season ended today after 13 games, which would be a ludicrous season. Um, those are the only under 500 teams. Um, and, you know, the eighth-seeded team in the West is the Kings at 7-6. and six. So across the board, there's not that much difference. Um, and, and like you said, we have, we have five bona fide strong teams. Uh, I, think the, I think, like you said, I think the Raptors are very much the real deal. Uh, I think they're going to be very difficult to deal with. We know what the Celtics bring to the table. We saw them last year and what they could do without Gordon Hayward, and now they're able to work him into the fold. There were some growing pains with figuring that out, and I think they're going through those right now. But they'll get that ship righted because Brad Stevens is a savant. Um, the the Bucks, uh, I would say, uh, maybe not to the extreme surprise but the bucks are kind of having their sixers moment like the sixers had last year kind of jumping ahead of where people thought they might be in the progression um one of our uh one of our most loyal listeners and our our very first patron a big sad pacers fan craig banning he texted me and he said it was impressive how the bucks are proof of what a good coach can do to a team because they have essentially the same team as last year. Um, yep. I know they added uh, Brooke Lopez. Uh, I believe they added somebody else, but I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, but they have they look like a completely different team from last year, and all they're doing is they just changed their style of play. Interesting little mm-hmm. nugget I saw on Reddit. Um, Brooke Lopez this season has more three-pointers made than Clay Thompson, and Clay Thompson this season has more rebounds than Brooke Lopez. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's <laughs> staggering to hear because Clay Thompson also this season records for most three pointers in a game. Right, right. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a stupid stat. Okay, so we're settled on the East is good, which I think uh, can make Pacers fans feel a little bit, even a little bit better about our eight and five start. Uh, so that would put us what. Are we like a game and a half back of the Bucks? I don't really know how to do that standings math, and I don't have the the standings uh, in front of me. But yeah, yeah, I think it's a game and a half. Um, we have eight wins. They have nine. We have five losses. They have three. Or they're at this game and a half. Four, right? So we're a game and a half back of them. And you know, eight and five is no slaps to start. Eight and five would put us uh, right in there and uh, in fourth in the Western Conference right now. I think we would sit right in. Um, let me look at the win percentage numbers here. Okay, so maybe it would slot us down. We would technically be, I think, sixth 
in the conference. The Grizzlies and Spurs are 636 win percentage. They're 7-4 and four to our 8-5, and five, which is 615 win percentage. But um, we would be competitive in there as well. We'd be, you know, a game behind or a game and a half back um, from uh, the Trailblazers and Nuggets who are in second, third right now. So, Right, and, and we haven't had any sort of... Start. But we haven't had any sort of schedule to kind of scoff at either. I mean, we've played some potential playoff teams. Uh, I'm just thinking off the top of my head now, not looking at the schedule. But, uh, you know, Memphis, they've impressed this season. We thought they were going to be boo-boo, but they've actually been decent. Uh, San Antonio, they're always consistent. Uh, you know, we've played uh, Boston, Miami. Uh, we had tough losses to the Rockets and Sixers. But to come through kind of a, a, a rough beginning of the season schedule, uh, the Pacers have fared pretty well. I think eight and five is, I mean, yeah, I can't it's complain solid. about it. The solid start to the season for sure. All right. So before we talk about our Pacer of the week and spoiler, we're not going to give it to Victor Oladipo again. However, he could win the Pacer of the week this week. Uh, I do want to talk about Victor Oladipo though. And this is something I kind of floated to you after we finished recording last week. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about it on this week's podcast if he continued his his hot start to the season, which he has. And mm-hmm. I want you to lay out uh, your roadmap to – this is going to sound crazy. This is going to sound like the most Homer thing to people. But I want you to lay out your roadmap to Victor Oladipo winning the MVP this season. So maybe this is the pessimist in me. Maybe this is the realist in me. But for me – uh, my roadmap for Victor Oladipo winning the MVP uh, looks a lot like him trying to climb Mount Everest uh, in his Pacers uniform. Um, I think there are a lot of factors, some of them that aren't in his control, that are going to work against him. Um, Such you know, as I narrative? This, yes, there's no narrative behind him. Um, he, he isn't a big, besides his singing, um, he's not a big, like, culture icon. Um, right. He's not a freak like Giannis. He's not LeBron James um, or, or anyone like that. So that hurts him there. Uh, he's playing in a small market, so that doesn't help him any. That's where, you know, Giannis can overcome playing in a small market because he's a freak. So right. easy for him to overcome that. Um Okay, I've got some. I've got some ideas. Okay, um, my other, you know, I, I'll throw a little bit of water before you can light the fire up as well. Um, so when I look and sit here, and I have them, uh, I have a comparison going of some of the top kind of candidates for MVP this year. I have Giannis, AD, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Victor. Um, all put in there together, and and Victor is trailing in almost every category um, in in whatever way you want to look at it per game, in totals, per thirty six, per one hundred, advanced stats. Um, he is he's not up there at the top, and that's one of the things that right away people want to look at and see um, in their MVP candidate is someone that is you know, a statistical, a statistical leader, some area. Um, and he, he's competitive. He's not getting blown out of the water by these guys. Uh, but I, I also, um, 
don't see him leading in any of the categories either. But go ahead, Joe. Give us some hope. Okay, so here's the hope. Now, I want everybody to take this with like the biggest grain of pink Himalayan salt that you can find. But here's what I think would absolutely have to happen for him to have a shot at the MVP. Like you said, there's a huge uh, Greek roadblock in his way in Milwaukee. I think that the very first thing that would have to happen for Vic to win MVP is that the Bucks would have to falter. They would have to lose their early season steam that they have. And they would have to fall out of the, the contention for winning the division, winning the Central. So I think that the Pacers would need to win the Central in order for Victor Oladipo to win MVP. Now, winning the Central also means that you're probably going to be the two seed in the East because uh, in the Atlantic division, it's kind of cutthroat. And I think that whoever wins that division is going to be the the one seed. They're going to win the most games. Looks probably like Toronto right now, but who knows what Boston's going to do. So first off, Bucks kind of got to fall off a little bit. Second, which is totally it, plausible. It, it is. I mean, they're still a young team and this could just be, you know, new coach and they're really feeling themselves right now at the beginning of the season. They may fall off. Who knows? The second thing that I think needs to happen, and the timing of this is very key. I think that Vic needs to lead the Pacers on a big winning streak, and I'm talking like 10, 12, 13 game winning streak, but it has to happen after the All-Star break. If it Mm -hmm. happens before the All-Star break, then people are going to forget about it. So I think he has to lead them on like a late season run to really catch people's attention. And they can say, oh, look at the Pacers are... 14-1 14-1 and one since the All-Star break. People love to do stats like that. So I think yeah. that would help some with the narrative. Another thing is I think it comes down to his numbers. Like you said, he's trailing in a lot of statistical categories. But I think if all those things happen, if he leads the Pacers to a division title, leads them on a big run late in the season, and he finishes the season averaging 25 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals while still playing as efficiently as he has been playing, I think he's got a shot. Now, those numbers may sound a little blown up, but right now he's averaging 23, 7, 5, and 2, so he only needs to improve his scoring by 2 points a game to hit those averages. I think that's absolutely within the realm of possibility for him. I think we're going to look back on his season and he's not going to win the MVP. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to look back on his season, and if he leads the Pacers to you know some crazy run or they go deep into the playoffs, we're going to think, this was an amazing Pacers season for Victor mm-hmm. Oladipo. Yeah, I think if we can get those, that's kind of your perfect storm of things that would set him up for for that potential MVP run. And even that might not be enough to win it for him, but that should, at the very least, get him in the discussion. Do you think he'll get votes? Uh, I I think there's a chance that he can get votes. Um, whether he gets many, I don't know. Um, I think that roadmap, like you put out, definitely does give him, uh, like I said, a, a good chance to be in that discussion and get some votes. Uh, I think if he goes on and leads the Pacers team to maybe a third place, third in the East, and maybe we're second in our division. Um, and he has a nice year overall. Um, 
then I think there could be room for him to get a few votes here or there. Uh, but again, I think it's really going to have to take the um, the perfect storm that you kind of laid out in your roadmap for him to make it to MVP. Yeah, I think just like you said, the narrative is the biggest issue going into this. Uh, we know he's a star, and basketball heads know he's a star, but um, he's still not, you know, regarded as a top ten player in the league. Which, you know, maybe he's not a top ten player in the league. I think the biggest thing that can help his narrative, though, is is the clutch shots. Uh, he has proven time and time again that he is one of the top clutch players in the league. And I really think that this season that's going to start to catch on even more. So he's going to have, you know, two seasons of footage of him just being ridiculous in the clutch. And so I think that can help his narrative. All right, Christian, before we talk about our, what'd you say? Well, I, I, this is, this is breaking. Uh I may have just broken an enigma. I may. Are you talking about fantasy basketball? Uh, no, no, not fantasy basketball. <laughs> I may have just figured out one of the most perplexing questions that we've loved to have to try to figure out as patient fans. And that Can is, I guess what the question is before you say it? Sure. Go ahead. Hmm, I'm thinking. Does it have anything to do with Lance Stevenson? No. Thank God. Um... All right, I can't think of it. So I, I was just flipping through Victor's page on Basketball Reference, and I think I may have found what uh, what has unlocked him to become this key player that no one thought he could be when he came to Indiana last summer. Joe, do you happen to remember what number Victor Oladipo wore when he played for the Indiana University Hoosiers? <laughs> Did he not wear four? He wore number four at IU. Okay, Do you remember okay. what he wore at or in Orlando? Four, five. Oh, he, wore the number five. he did wear number five. He also wore the number five in Oklahoma City. But as he right. came back to Indiana, he was able to get back to his comfortable number four. He, and with he that, took Travis Best's classic number four jersey. I'm still a little upset about that. <laughs> but with that, I think that's unlocked him to become the Victor Oladipo that we know and love today. That's a pretty good theory. Do you know off the top of your head what number Travis Diener wore? Because uh, <laughs> I feel like if Vic switched to Travis Diener's number, was he like 12 or something? <laughs> if Victor switched to, or Josh McRoberts, if Vic started rocking the 32, hmm. Josh McRoberts, I'm still mad at him for messing up the perfect quarter. Yep. All right, before we go to our Pacer of the Week, which you are adamant about, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Today's episode of the Sad Pacers Fan Podcast is brought to you by Broken Anchor Soap. Too often, we as consumers neglect to take a close look at what our products contain. Broken Anchor Soap is taking the initiative to ensure that the soaps, lotions, and conditioners they produce are not only all-natural, but also ensure that all of their ingredients are ethically sourced. They're in producing handmade, vegan products that clean, moisturize, and care for your skin and hair. Broken Anchor, never able to be held down. If you wanted to try Broken Anchor soap and you haven't really felt like paying for the soap, well, 
you are kind of in luck, go to Instagram, follow Broken Anchor Soap, send him a DM, get yourself some free soap. I'm not kidding. This soap is awesome. And he wants people to use it. He wants to build up a fan base of people that love good, vegan, handmade, ethically sourced, all natural soap. So go follow Broken Anchor Soap on Instagram. All right, Christian, we're back. I wanted to give the Pacer of the Week to Victor Oladipo for the third straight week. Third straight week? Is that right? Second? Uh, third? Yeah. Because this is How many weeks have we been doing season two? God. Uh, yeah, this is the fifth week. Because last week was the very fourth, I think. School is killing me. All right. It's, so, it's you said, no, we're not doing that. I said, all right, it's fine. Who do you have in mind? And... So we've decided for the very fifth Pacer of the Week, the award goes to, tell us. The last two minutes of the game at Miami. The last two minutes of the game in Miami. Now, if you are subscribed to our YouTube channel and you watch the saddest moment of the week that was just put up, then you know that I highlighted uh, the flagrant two foul call against Thaddeus Young as part of the saddest moment of the week because it seriously was. The referees should be ashamed of that call. And like you said earlier, the Pacers were they were dead in the fourth quarter. What did you love? And I know you loved it because you told me you loved it. What did you love about the last two minutes of that Miami game? We closed that game in a 12-0 run, I think it was. Isn't that what the final, uh, that final two-minute run? Yeah, it was a 12-0 run to end the game. 12-0 run to end the game, and, and the team just, you know, was able to snap into game mode. The team was ready to snap right there, right away into, um, we're going to finish this. Um, and I just think the way that they came together, the way that they were able to flip that switch, that 12-0 run to close the game, um, locking down um, defensively is, is huge. And it's wins like that that are, that are big moving forward for the team, too. Those are wins that, can, that you can call on later in the season um, that you can build off of. Um, and so I, I think that was just a, a really – I think that was a big moment early in the season for us to go into a hostile environment uh, and to be able to come out with a, with a hard-fought victory in that spot. Yeah, it's always nice to get a win in Miami, uh, one of the Pacers' recent most hated rivals, the Miami Heat. Um, so, like you said, it's really great to get a, a quality win there against a team that's probably going to end up in the playoffs. We saw Miles Turner with another big uh, late-game block in that game. We saw Victor Oladipo not only hitting uh, clutch shots, but creating for teammates, and he set up what could have been the biggest shot of the game and Boyan Bogdanovich hitting that three at the top. Uh, so it was just... An excellent all-around team performance to close that game in a game where they could have just packed it in and said, all right, we're going to take our third loss in a row. But that team, like we mentioned last week, they're resilient. Uh, they have fight. They do not quit on games. So uh, I, I concede that the last two minutes of the game against the Miami Heat re- deserves the Pacer of the Week award. So uh, last two minutes of the Miami game, if you're listening, I know you're listening, uh, you can be expecting your award in the mail any day now. Uh, Christian, any final words before we get out of here? Um, well, be- before we shout out, uh, before we leave, 
uh, I think it's important that we do also give uh, a shout out to a couple of pacers of a different type. Um, two very, very good friends of ours. Yes. Uh, the other half of the Sunday Run Club, Derek Dixon and Sarah Jansen. Um, this, can I cut you off? I guess Sarah Dixon now. Wow. Can, can I cut you off? Yeah. So I think that your math is wrong because after they got married, you know by all the oh. laws of gods and men, they have become one. And so That's they right. are just one third. They're one third of the Sunday run club. Those two people are one third. And then you and I are each a third of the Sunday run club, but go yes. on. That's correct. Um, so anyway, their third, that third of the Sunday run club, um, today completed, uh, the, for Derek, the Madison marathon or the half marathon. Uh, and, those are huge, awesome achievements. Sarah ran up time uh, faster than her goal, which is incredible. And Derek ran a full marathon, 26.2 miles, which is an incredible uh, physical achievement. And he did it in a great time as well. Um, I, I felt silly as I was sitting this morning watching their, their tracking on my app. Um, and I legitimately was like emotional and felt a lot of uh, a big shout out on the pod uh, for going out and doing the thing up there in Madison. Yeah, for sure. A, a grueling race given not only the distance, which, you know, lots of people don't do. There are people that will never even sniff a marathon, let alone uh, a half marathon. And then the the race that they ran was essentially an up and down hilly race. I know Sarah put in about uh, 500 feet worth of elevation gain throughout the race and Derek, you know, doubled the distance, put in about a thousand feet of elevation gain. And so, um, uh, yeah, huge shout out to those two amazing accomplishments, Sunday run club, holding it down up in Wisconsin. We're going to get out of here. Um, Remember that if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can send them to sadpacersfan at gmail.com. Please follow us on Instagram at sadpacersfan. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search the Sad Pacers Fan Podcast. Head to Twitter and subscribe on Twitter. Not subscribe. Follow. Did I say subscribe for Instagram too? I'm all about subscriptions now. I don't know. I've got subscription to HBO now. I've got subscription to Netflix. All sorts. Just love subscriptions. Uh, Follow us on Twitter where Christian sends out hot, hot tweets uh, at Sad Pacers Pod on Twitter. Uh, For Christian Arvin, I'm Joe Cohen. We're We're just just trying trying to pod good. good.